Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to start the show off this week with some shout outs that I promised for some people that responded back to my 5,000 download tweet. I really appreciate that. So let me start off with some uh, local ones, if you don't mind. I want to start off with Rochelle W., who certainly helped me start this pro- podcast. She is responsible for the microphone I am talking into right now. So thank you very much, Rochelle. I appreciate that. Richard D., Maddie M., Heidi Webb is another one who I really appreciate listening to the show. My best friend, Brad, I've grown up with this guy forever, and he's been very supportive. His mother, Fancy Nancy, as well. But let me get to some of my Twitter followers who really have helped me and been supportive. I'm going to rattle off a few here, and then I'm going to have some more at the end of the show. But let me start off with John Nolte. Of course, Angel North, who's been very nice to me. Steph Van Vlack. Let me tell you about Steph. Steph should be my agent. She is promoting my show all the time. I really appreciate her. Uh, Emma, who wants you to please vote too, please. Uh, Betsy Gervasi, Saving Mimi, East Kentucky Resistor, Rhonda, Die Hard Donna. Amber J. Oh, and I can't forget about Shay. Shay's another one who's been very nice to the show. I appreciate everything that she says. She got her husband listening, so I appreciate Shay and Mr. Shay as well. Thank you guys so much. Of course, I can't forget about my boys at Oh For Fuck's Sake. There, I just said it. I'm saying the name of the, the podcast, so you guys go check it out. But Ryan and Derek, I really appreciate those guys. And of course, you know her, Frosty Knowledge, Rosa Sparks on Twitter. I She's just been great for the show. She's been great to me, and I always appreciate having her on and her support. And finally, I'll end this round. I'll have more at the end of the show, but Rachel Jones, she was an original. Uh, she started with the show, and she was very complimentary, and I, she's a you know, a wonderful young lady. You should check her out on Twitter as well. I really appreciate all you guys. So I will have more at the end of the show. But for right now, my name is Brian Rundle. This is Run's House. Let's get it started. John, I've spoken with two senior U.S. officials who were on the trip to France who confirmed to me key details in the Atlantic article and the quotes attributed to the president. My source, a former Trump administration official, told me when the president spoke about the Vietnam War, he said it was a stupid war. Anyone who went was a sucker. The president would say about American veterans, what's in it for them? They don't make any money. The source said it was a character flaw of the president. He could not understand why someone would die for their country. Not worth it. Regarding the French trip to mark the end of World War I, according to this former official, the president was not in a good mood. French President Macron had said something that made him mad. He questioned why he had to go to two cemeteries. Why do I have to do two? His staff explained he could cancel, but he was warned, they, the press, are going to kill you for this. The president was mad as a hornet when they did, according to this source. When asked if the president could have driven to the Ain Marne Cemetery, this former official said confidently that there was not a security reason to not to drive to the cemetery, which was about 40 miles from Paris. Quote, the president drives a lot. The other world leaders drove to the cemeteries. He just didn't want to go. 
regarding the president's July 4th military parade planning during a planning session at the White House after seeing the Bastille Day parade in 2017. President Trump said regarding the inclusion of wounded guys, quote, that's not a good look. Americans don't like that. Re regarding Senator McCain, the president, according to this source, just hated John McCain. He always asked, why do you see him as a hero? Two sources confirmed the president did not want the flags lowered after McCain died, but others in the White House ordered them at half-mast. There was a standoff, and then the president relented. Meantime, Defense Secretary Mark Esper just issued a statement praising the president, quote, President Trump has the highest respect and admiration for our nation's military members, veterans, and families. That is why he has fought for, for greater pay and more funding for our armed forces. It's been a pretty rough week, few days for the commander in chief. That was national security correspondent for Fox News, Jennifer Griffin. She has reported that sources close to her did say that Donald Trump has had some disparaging things to say about people in our military. So, you know, I've the last couple days since this has gone on, I have discussed this with people. And of course, they think I'm biased because I just don't like Donald Trump. And I'm going to believe anything negative about him and that my opinion may lack credibility. And, you know, okay, fair enough. If that's what they want to think, that is fine. But I do point out to them, don't you find it funny that most of these things that come out about Donald Trump and the negative things that he says and the negative things about him are people on his own team? These are people who work for him directly. Most of the books that have come out are from people that worked in his administration. This isn't Brian Rundle just deciding I'm going to arbitrarily believe things because I don't like him. Do I mean, we obviously cannot deny that he did say that he was not a fan of John McCain's and he disparaged his name time after time. He also said that he was not a war hero because he was captured. That is said on video. There's no arguing that. So the strong possibility that these things came out of his mouth and it's being covered by reporters who work for Fox News, who are credible reporters and have reliable sources... I don't see why this is not something to believe. Miss Griffin has since doubled down on her story. She is quoted as saying that she could tell you that my sources are unimpeachable and I feel very confident with what we have reported at Fox. Now, of course, Donald Trump went on his rant and how Jennifer Griffin should be fired. And luckily, there was a Republican representative with some balls, Adam Kingsinger of Illinois, came to Miss Griffin's defense, said she was one of his favorite reporters, and said that uh, she was fair and unafraid. Miss Griffin also went on to defend her use of anonymous sources, and the main reason is because, quote, it is always better when people come on camera, but when you can see how people get destroyed, when they get crosswise with the president, when they come out, and so people are reluctant. She also goes on to say they've seen the language used to describe people and the way Twitter has been weaponized against them, and I think they just don't feel like they need that kind of grief right now. What they are saying they feel very strongly is accurate, she added, and they were there, and I'm a reporter, and it's my job to report what I heard. Now, this is exactly what America needs. It needs strong, honest journalism, 
and strong, honest journalism is exactly what will keep every one of these politicians at bay. It will keep them honest. Donald Trump is different. Nothing's going to keep him honest or nothing's going to keep him at bay. But if you do have legitimate sources, if you have legitimate journalists, not the night idiots on Fox like Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and that drunk judge, whoever that wacky lady is who's screaming all the time. I love good journalists. I love people who do their job very, very well. Journalists, when they do their job right, they're just as good. They're just as important and in some cases more effective than law enforcement doing investigations. They are American heroes, except so I do love journalists, but the one criticism I do have about them is they always use the word right all the time. And sometimes they even use it in inappropriate places. Listen to a journalist every time they are interviewed and they are asked a question. They'll say something to the effect of, well, you had Barack Obama on stage last night, right? And I'm like, okay, keep going. I'm not going to agree with you yet until you finish the point. Or, you know, then you have the Republicans. And then when Donald Trump is in the room, right? No, keep going. And then I'll agree with you. But they do that all the time. If you don't notice it, listen to it. Next time you listen to a a journalist being interviewed, they use the word right all the time. And a lot of times, again, in places that it's just kind of like, well, you got to give us the rest of the story before we give you the thumbs up on your reporting. Now, the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, they are the ones who actually broke this story, had something very interesting to say. He said, quote, I would fully expect more reporting to come out about this and more confirmation and new pieces of information in the coming days and weeks. That is not probably going to sit very well with Donald Trump. He's already scrambling. He's trying to do and say anything he can to make sure that people do not think that he is somebody that hates our military. And I wouldn't even go as far as to say that Donald Trump hates the military, but there is absolutely no question in my mind. This is the kind of guy that looks down on people. If they're not ultra rich, he looks down on you. And that's what kills me, why so many of these supporters of him worship him. He does not care about those people. And, you know, I we I had this discussion with friends the other night. You can possibly say that about both sides, although I do really believe that the Democrats and the left do care more about people. But as I said a few weeks ago, it's what can they actually do and what will they actually do for the people? You know, because the right definitely aren't going to do anything for the people. They're going to make sure that everything is done for them and for their rich friends. The Democrats want to do things for the people, but unfortunately, their hands are tied too because politics has allowed corporations to get way too involved. And when corporations and multi-billionaires are involved in politics, nobody's running it except for them. They're the only ones. If you really get down to it, all of us are really in the same boat. And unfortunately, nothing is going to change until we get money out of politics. I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg even said her biggest regret was voting for Citizens United. And Citizens United, if you don't know what that is, it is basically the law that allowed multi-billion corporations and multi-billion dollar people to take over politics is essentially is what it was. Even though there is a limitation on the amount that you could donate to a particular candidate, 
now they have these super PACs and you can donate whatever the hell you want. And who do you think donates the most? It's the multi-billionaires are the ones who donate the most. A hundred million dollars is nothing to them. That's a drop in the bucket. They'll take a hundred million dollars, spend it to get more of what they want in the end. It's an investment for them. But until we get the money out of politics, then we are screwed. We're screwed for a long time. But I can tell you, you couple the money with politics and Donald Trump as the president, we cannot let that happen. That is something that needs to go. And I am cautiously optimistic that that will happen. But as I said, I am cautious about it. You know, we're only about eight weeks away from this election and it cannot come soon enough. But as I said last week, the next nine weeks, the next 10 weeks, I said that two weeks ago, are going to be crazy. The next eight weeks are going to be crazy. And it's just going to get crazier and crazier as time goes on. I really hope on November 3rd, that particular Tuesday, that at the end of the night, we truly know who the president is. We really need Joe Biden to win some of these states that you're not really expecting him to, plus win all the swing states. Those states I'm talking about, he's in play in Georgia. He's in play in Texas. If he could pull off those couple and Florida and then two or three more of those swing states, let's just wrap it up, get it over with. But I think we all know what's really going to happen. There's zero chance we're going to know who the president is by the end of that night. You know it. And it's going to be complete chaos, and Donald Trump will be the king of the chaos. He will welcome it. He will encourage it. He'll make sure chaos happens on November 3rd. I'm pretty sure of that. So we have to buckle in and we can't take our seatbelts off right when we pull into the driveway because we might be pulling right back out and going into some crazy terrain. Speaking of the election, a new poll came out and the poll was asking people, who do you think will win in the debate, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? And Donald Trump won by 47 to 41%. So this is not a question that I particularly care for because when you're talking about who do you think will win in a debate, I have a feeling that when people are answering this question, they're thinking more about who will give out the best zingers and who will dominate as far as over-talking and saying all the one-liners and who will get on the other person more. Nobody even thinks about who will talk more better about policy or who will sound more presidential or anything like that. All they think about and all they care about now is who's going to have the best zingers and Donald Trump's the king of zingers. So I can't see how he's going to lose the debate. To me, you lose the debate when all you have is zingers, when all you have is nicknames. That's losing the debate. But unfortunately, I think most Americans think of this as the Jerry Springer show. And whoever the guy is that's on the stage making the most noise, whether he's getting booed or cheered, it doesn't matter. He's going to be perceived as the guy who wins the debate, which is ridiculous. Another reason why I think less people should be voting, to be honest with you, because people look at most things politically through the peripheral. They don't really study it. They don't really read the articles. I swear the other day I had this happen. I was talking with some friends and I overheard somebody talking about politics and they mentioned something about the stock market going down because Dr. Fauci 
as she said, quote, opened his big mouth. And they were basically saying, well, what do you mean by that? And she literally said, I don't know. I just read the headline, which I've said this before on the show. A lot of people get their political news from Facebook and not even really reading the article. They just see a headline and then go around and talk to their other friends about what they read and how now all of a sudden they're a political expert on what just happened because they saw the headline. But when pressed further, it's like, I don't know. I don't have time for that stuff anyway. It's like, wait a minute. Then why are you involving yourself in the conversation? Either you have time or you don't. I was having a conversation with a friend the other night and I pressed him about something and he's like, I don't know. I don't have time for that. I ha- I work for a living. And I said, well, what are you trying to imply? I don't work for a living? You know, It's important to know this stuff. If you're going to take some time out of your day for something that you should be doing, it is learning maybe a little bit more about what goes on in your country. Now, do I think that I know everything? I do not. Again, when you do say you don't have time, sometimes Americans, you're right. There's so many things that you have to do personally during the day that you don't have time to be a professional when it comes to talking about politics, but you should know enough to where if you're in a conversation with anybody, you are able to speak with some knowledge and some fluency. Just don't make something up because you saw it on a headline. Then you're injecting yourself into a conversation you have no business being in. I swear. And if I have one more white person come to me thinking that I'm automatically going to be on their side, has anybody declared to you without provocation whatsoever? I don't watch the NBA anymore. Screw those guys. What are you so mad at the NBA for? Because some black people in the NBA decided that they wanted to take a stand and say, look, we are protesting against police brutality in our community, and we just want to get the message out there. That's why you're so angry. But then you're angry when they take a knee. You're angry when they cancel a game. You're angry if they peacefully protest in the street. So what are they supposed to do? What do you give us the list of things that black people are allowed to do to protest and then you could take it and shove it up your ass again a group of people talking about things that they never have to go through in their life and they're going to be experts on it that's equivalent to reading the headline yeah the NFL could go screw itself too but the only reason why I'm watching the NFL is because I have fantasy football but other than that I ain't watching those guys anymore okay well Sorry, we're going to miss you. Thanks for sharing with me that you're not watching the NFL or NBA anymore. I'm not a religious man at all, but I do pray that a lot of the SEC teams, if you're not familiar with the SEC, it's a conference in college football that's down, SEC stands for the Southeastern Conference. College football in the Southeast. Now, let me tell you, if you are not familiar with it, College football in the Southeast is really, really big, and it is really, really important. It is literally a religion in the Southeast. But I am praying, as I said, that a lot of these teams in the Southeastern Conference have players that take a knee during the National Anthem. Let's see if they hold on to this, I ain't watching them guys anymore. And it is possible in the Southeastern Conference, but I'm telling you, If you don't know how important college football is down in the Southeast, it is something that they are really, really, really going to have to figure out and consider. So I really would love to see the dynamic if this does happen. 
So a few minutes ago, I was talking about all of us Americans being in the same boat, but that's not 100% true. We are not all in the same boat. I don't know if you saw what happened on Lake Travis in Texas last week, and because nobody got hurt, I certainly don't want anybody to get hurt, but I am going to laugh my ass off at those idiots who had their Donald Trump boat parade in Lake Travis. If you have not seen this story, it is pretty damn funny. They went out, had their big, we love Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is the greatest president we've ever had, and he's going to win that election again against Sleepy Joe, and oh God. Anyway, they're on their little boat fest, and a bunch of those boats proceeded to sink into the lake, which is hilarious. And after the week the president just had, I mean, what a metaphor for the week that he's had. And hopefully it's a metaphor for the rest of his campaign and the rest of his tenure in the White House ending in November of 2020. Well, okay, January 2021. You get the idea. All right. So let's close out the show with some more shout outs. You know, I did ask some people to do a particular thing to retweet something. So if you did that, these would be the shout outs. I also want to give some more shout outs if I can. So if I did miss your name, please email me at runshousepodcast at gmail.com and I'll get you on the next one. I promise. But let's go ahead and reel some more of these off. Jennifer Jones, Awake My Soul. Don't you dare call me honey. Rosie's mom, Kathleen Delano. It's Sandy by the beach. The rational left. Always good to the show. Willie ya. Willie ya, I should say, with two Y's. Cool Karen. C.S. Nadine Coleman. She's awesome. The average American. Jack be good. Great. Uh, another good uh, listener of the show. Donna. Joe Webb. Jenny D, and finally Donna, who is New York tough. As always, like I said, guys, I really appreciate you participating. I really appreciate you guys listening. And again, if I missed anybody, please, you can email me, as I said, at runshousepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at brun13. And as always, you can catch me again this week on Friday for my next episode. Again, I thank you guys so much for listening today, and we will talk to you soon.